Hi, friends. This is Surabi bringing you episode 16 of Mom Strength. All my pregnant friends out here, I want you to listen to this episode. I know that there's so many fears and anxieties and worries while you're pregnant and going into your birth experience, and I want to help ease some of those worries for you. I want to help you feel prepared, empowered, and confident for your birth experience. But before we get started... Welcome to Mom Strength, a podcast and movement to empower, educate, and showcase mom strength inside and out. I'm your host, Surabi Veach, physiotherapist and fitness coach, also known as the Passionate Physio. Join me for discussions on movement, mindset, and motherhood, where we raise the bar and challenge the status quo. Get ready for expert interviews and real, honest conversations where we explore physical, mental, and emotional health. Let's celebrate the beautiful diversity and common experiences in all of our journeys. Let's do this. Hi, friends, all my pregnant mamas, mamas to bees. Um, listen, this episode is totally off off the cuff. I have not prepared for it. I haven't written a list of things that I want to share. I wanted to just share a genuine, honest conversation about pregnancy and how freaking terrifying it can be. I'm going to share you share with you some of my personal experiences um, with both of my pregnancies. And I want to share with you the strategies that really helped me prepare and the strategies that help my clients prepare for birth. Right off the bat, I'm going to tell you I have a pregnancy and birth prep webinar tomorrow, which is Tuesday, November 30th at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. This is where you need to be if you're pregnant. This is the stuff that you're not going to learn in a hospital birth prep class. You're not going to learn this in a typical push prep class. This is the stuff that is going to be um, really changing your mindset and preparing you to feel calm, empowered, educated, and confident going into birth. So that's happening tomorrow night. I will include include the registration link in my show notes. You can head on over there to register. It is currently on sale for 25 bucks um, Canadian. So for my American friends, that's like about 20 bucks. Um, and I want you to attend live if you can, but realize that there is going to be a recording so you can access it after the fact as well. All right, on to today's conversation. Let's talk about the fears going into birth. First of all, when you grew up in this society, in Western society, you were bombarded with images of painful births, of emergency scenarios, of the woman not being able to handle it, and the the husband, the male partner, perhaps being completely useless or making a joke or kind of drawing attention away from the birthing person. And or a team of, you know, doctors rush in and you're rushed into emergency C-section or another type of surgery. All of these images are ingrained in our brains. Images are powerful. So if those are the images, those are the top 10 images. Think about your top 10 images that you can think of when you're thinking of how your birth will go. And if they're all negative, then of course that's priming your brain and your body to have a negative or fearful birth experience. Part of removing fear or decreasing fear, because let's let's not make the goal removing fear. You may still have fears going into birth. You may still have fears during childbirth and that's okay. But we need to also program our bodies and our brains to expect positive outcomes and to start to program more positive birth experiences into our head. Can bad 
bad shit happen? Of course. Of course. Terrible things can happen. But most probably amazing things are going to happen. So let's look at a bit more like realistic probability what is likely expected and use that frame of reference. One of the most common things that I hear from my um, pregnant clients are, oh, the baby might be too big for me, so I I might need a C-section. And if you want a C-section, absolutely, that's a choice you should have. But remember that your baby is designed for your body. An ultrasound is not the most accurate way to depict the size of the baby. It can be off by a pound in either direction so or more. And so you, if you're going in for a pregnancy ultrasound that's estimating that your baby's big, sometimes it's big because of the way it's positioned in your body. Sometimes your bump is big because, you know, just just the way your body is. If you're a petite person, if you're short and you have a big bump, it does not automatically mean that your baby's going to be huge for you. It might be just the perfect size. It's most likely that it's going to be the perfect size for you. Whether your baby is six pounds, seven pounds, eight pounds, nine pounds, your first birth can be tough because your body has never done this before. It's never stretched to that volume before. So expect that it's going to be tough. Labor is tough, but you can do tough things. You can do hard things like I think Glennon Doyle says. And I think that's the mindset that we need to go into labor with. What kind of hard things have you done in the past? I want you to actually, this is task number one for you for removing fears. Task number one is I want you to sit down and write a list of every positive thing that you've ever done and accomplished in your life. This is something that one of my, Takesha August, who came on my podcast, and she works with a lot of pregnant people, and she recommends this to her pregnant clients as well, because it is something that we are so primed to think about all the ways we failed. Our brains are constantly more are paying more attention to the negative things. So I want you to pay attention to the positives. Does your pregnant, has your pregnancy sucked? Okay, so forget pregnancy. Think about all the positive things you've done since you've been a kid. Did you win a spelling bee in grade two? Did you come in first in uh, you know, the 100 meter dash? Did you win a prize? Or did you, you know what, maybe it wasn't about winning and maybe it was just about you overcome your fears and you um, joined a public speaking competition or you submitted that short story to the, you know, to the contest even though you were afraid. Or maybe you um, set a boundary with a family member that you were really uncomfortable doing, but you felt was important. So th- celebrate all of the wins. Literally make a list. And once you start thinking about all the things that you are amazing that you've done, you sh- you're going to be on a roll. You might have pages and pages of this to look at. And that's just the start. That's a start to help reprogram your ba- brain to start seeking all the ways that you are amazing, to start seeking information of all the ways that you are rocking it, that you are just crushing life, right? And that's what I want you to go into your pregnancy and birth experience, to be honest, not just the birth, but your entire pregnancy and postpartum life. I want you to always remember all of the ways that you are succeeding instead of focusing on any of the ways that you failed. Remember that failure is also subjective, you might look at an experience that you've had and think, oh my gosh, I'm failing. But if you reframe that and say, you know what, that was a huge learning lesson for me and I've learned from that and that's a success because I've learned from, I've learned something from that 
incident or experience. So your task number one, make a list. And I want you to actually pull out a journal, pull out your phone. If you know, I, re- I don't recommend phones because honestly, phones are so distracting. I'll go on my phone to make one note and I'll forget to make that note. And an hour later, I'm like, what did I come on here for? So if you're like me, get out a notebook and start making a written list. Um, there is something really beautiful about writing with your hand, you know, with your hand, actual hands instead of a keyboard because it's also a physical movement, which your body really likes. Yes, typing on a keyboard is also physical, but it's less um, it's less connection to our brain, especially for those of us who are born pre, pre-screens. Like the way our brains have learned originally is through pen and paper, pencil and paper. So, so go back to that and make notes for yourself on all of your amazing badassness. Okay, next thing to help reduce your fears going into uh, pregnancy and birth is to talk to your partner. I This is with the assumption that you have a partner. If you do not have a partner, I want you to discuss your fears with your most trusted person in your life, whether it is your friend, whether it's your mom, your maybe a therapist, right? You know, with somebody who's in your life. If you have a partner that you feel like you cannot trust, I want you to still talk to somebody. Again, you have other options, but I want you to pick the person who is going to be in your birth support team um, and share all of your fears. Make a list of every single fear that you have that can go wrong during birth, that you're, you know, what's your worst case scenario? Make a list of that and just even getting your fears out there in the open can be so so amazing and it can be such a great way to bond with your partner I'm choking up because I actually think I'm thinking back to when I I had made that list with my um for my husband and he didn't seem to have many concerns going into birth because it wasn't his body and he's a man and he wasn't programmed with you know (laughs) 30 plus years of you know tv shows and movies planting into his head that female bodies are defective and that they're going to need like all of these extra helps to, you know, get things done in during birth. And so he didn't have that programming. So he was confident. He's like, yeah, you can do it. Like, of course. And whereas I had all of these fears and also remembering that I am a, an Indian, I'm a brown woman in Canada. And we know that the healthcare system is biased. We know that there's a lot of privilege that white folk have that other people may not have. And for some people, they might say, oh, I've never, I've never experienced that. But for others like me, personally, I've never experienced that, but I've seen it in my family members who maybe have an accent or they're elderly and they're treated way more, they're treated poorly. And if you struggle to advocate for yourself because of that, that can become a barrier during your birth experience. So I really want you to write down all of your fears and discuss them with your partner. Writing down your fears doesn't take it away, but it it shines a light to the darkness. And I think that when we can shine a light into that darkness, we, again, bring into light some of those fears and um, take that burden away from you keeping it in your body and kind of releasing it out there so that when you're in labor, you're not thinking about those fears again. You know that your partner knows that you have those fears. And now this is the discussion that I want you to have with your partner. Well, how is your partner going to support you? Because your partner may have their own fears, but they're not the one birthing the human being. Whether it's, again, I, when I say birthing, I'm talking about vaginal and cesarean birth because both birth experiences are birthing a baby 
both birth experiences are done by the mother. Yes, in some you have more support from the OBGYN, but the person who's delivering the baby is the mom. And that is the most important person in the room, in any birthing room. And we need to make sure that the mom is comfortable, feeling safe, feeling loved, and feeling secure. And so I want you to now, after having those fears, I want you to start visualizing positive outcomes at every single one of those fears. I'm not going to name your fears because your fears could be different than mine. I definitely went into birth with some fears. Part of it was, can I do it? Part of it was, what if this scenario happens? What if that scenario happens? I talked about it with my midwives. I talked about it with my husband. And I really felt like, you know what? People know what my fears are. And I have nothing to hide. I have nothing to be ashamed of. I have nothing to be scared of because I'm not alone in my fear. My fear has been reduced by sharing it out with with these trusted people that I love and that I know are going to support me. And so I think a lot of women hold these internally. They think it's their responsibility. They're the birthing person. It's that for them to hold. But no, make it a team approach. You and your partner, you know, conceive the baby together and you're going to birth the baby together. You're going to, you're, the birthing person is going to be doing most of the work. And whether your partner is male, female, non-binary, your partner is still an important part of the birth experience. They're not your coach. Um, they're not your guide. They're your um, support person. Okay. They're there to love on you. They're there to support you. They're there to do exactly as you wish. And if you're a support person listening to this, I want you to recognize that you are important. You are actually the second most important person in that room. Um, of course, baby is too, but you know, you are so crucial to keep that mom safe and secure because if that mom gets the feeling that you are not helping, that you are doubting her, that you are not trusting her, that you are distracted, you're on your phone texting your friends, you're watching a YouTube video, she is not going to feel as safe and secure and loved. If she thinks that you're angry or you're upset at something, you need to put push those feelings aside and channel your calmness because you're a pregnant person who's about to give birth is very, very intuitive and very, very sensitive and vulnerable to the energies and the atmosphere that she's in. This is partially why I chose to have a home birth and I'm fortunate that I was able to have a home birth both times because I knew my home environment could be controlled. I was comfortable there. I knew who was going to be in it. But majority of the people have hospital births. So what are the conversations that you need to have with your partner about how you want your birth to go? What are the conversations that you need to have with the nurses, with the staff, with the midwife, with the the OB when you get to the hospital about what it is that you need. Remember that this is your body and your baby. Yes, you can ask for things. If you're worried about seeing pushy or judged, this is their job. The person's job who's working at the hospital is to make sure that you're supported. It doesn't matter if they don't like you. That's the other thing I want you to know. You're not there to be liked. You're there to birth a baby. You're there to make sure that your outcomes and your baby's outcomes are the best possible. It does not mean you have to be rude, but yes, you can be assertive. Yes, you can advocate for yourself, and I want you to. And I know that as women, we're told to be stay small, be quiet, be nice, smile, be polite. You know, there's women out here who are days from having a baby who are worried about shaving their entire vulva. Like, 
is that the worry that we need to be having about how our vulva appears during a birth? Because guess what? None of the people who are there are judging you for it. You shouldn't be judging yourself for it. And it actually is beneficial to have hair down there to protect from infection. So, but yet here we are worrying about what everyone else thinks and not worrying about ourselves. So during pregnancy and childbirth, I want you to be as selfish as possible. And it's not even being selfish. Selfish gives it a bad connotation, but I want you to be, I want you to step into your power as a woman, as a person, as a birthing person. And I want you to remember and recognize the immense work that your body is doing, has been doing to create life and that you're going to be bringing that baby into this world with just as much power, love, responsibility and um, to take up space. You don't want your baby birthed and say, shh, shh, don't cry. I don't, I don't want you to upset other people. I want you to birth your baby with the confidence that yes, your baby is allowed to cry, that the world will love it anyway, because that's what humans do when they're born, they cry. And if you are so, this is going out to myself actually during my first pregnancy, I was so worried about, you know, not being I wanted to be liked by everybody on my birth team. And so I was so scared to ask for what I wanted until about 35, 36, 37 actually weeks of pregnancy. Then I started to ask, I'm like, okay, I don't want, I want skin to skin in the first hour after birth. And then they're like, yes, yes, of course. And then I said, you know, I don't want loud environments. I don't want to be, I don't want the word pain mentioned to me. If I am in so much pain that I want an epidural, I will ask but I don't want the seed planted that you're doubting my ability. Because for me, it was important to try to have an unmedicated birth. For you, that might not be important to you. For you, you might say, I don't, I don't really care. I want it. I want an epidural. And that's great. So you for you, you might say, I want to be offered the epidural. And I don't want to be convinced to not have it because I've chosen that I want to have it. Because choice and agency are important. So I want you to ask for what you want during pregnancy, during birth, and your partner is your biggest advocate because while you are pregnant or when you're in labor and and pushing or when you're about to undergo surgery, that's not when you are the most, (laughs) what's the word, Mm, logical or even you're not able to think clearly and you don't want to be, you're very vulnerable, okay? So you want somebody who's responsible, who's not in going through that in their bodies to be the person to say, listen, she did not want this. What are our other options? Let me give you an example. Things like an episiotomy. They don't always need to occur. They usually don't. Back in the day, routine episiotomies were done to everybody because again, in our patriarchal model, they thought, hmm, women can't possibly have a baby naturally without, you know, any tearing. We must need to go in there with a scalpel or in, you know, with a blade and make a hole that's bigger. Let's just think about this logically. How would women have evolved to give birth if we needed somebody to cut us open vaginally? Like, yes, there are times when an episiotomy is needed. If baby is at risk, if you're at risk, yes, there are many times that cesareans save lives. But what we're finding now is so many people are undergoing interventions that aren't necessarily medically um, the only way. And I think that when you are able to be assertive, ask, ask questions. Say, why is this happening? Is this the only option? What is our other safe option? Ask questions. Because you might be surprised. They might say, you know what? 
okay, we'll wait for another hour and see what happens. Sometimes we go into birth thinking that everything is an emergency and usually it's not. Birth moves very, birth moves in its own time. For some people, it's a very rapid progression, but for most people, it's very slow. Um, I don't know, I've heard different average birth times quoted 16 hours, 14 hours, 20 hours. And for me, my first birth was 21 hours. I remember I woke up with my water water breaking, my water membranes membranes rupturing, and I knew that's what it was because it was a sudden pop, and um, I felt it and heard it. It was loud, and it woke me up, and you know, then felt the water gushing, and I knew it wasn't pee because you know what you we know what it feels like when you're peeing versus suddenly something new that you've never experienced um, coming out of you, and. I my contractions my surges started soon after that and I was thinking great awesome my baby will be here soon and then 21 hours later she arrived so you know in our heads we think everything's gonna happen very quickly and sometimes like let me tell you it does but many times it takes hours and hours so we want to channel as much calm and um decreasing our you know our breath our rate of breath so we're not like hyperventilating and stressing we want to just slow everything down speak in calm voices purposefully slow your words and I'm not saying this for the birthing person I want the advocate or the birth support person to be the person to be the guide for this so if you see your birth if you see your birthing mama uh, getting stressed you purposefully speak calmly not in like a kid like condescending like speaking to a child way but just like you know you know you can say okay we talked about this you're safe you're loved I love you you're gonna be okay we're gonna be okay you are doing this you are amazing you know speaking in that low tone calming tone you want to bathe that mama in love and I think for many male um, male partners, they're underestimated. Men can be very sweet, very sensitive. Men have all the same emotions that women have, but they're often underestimated that they're not going to be helpful. And they perceive that. They know that. And when they're perceived that they're not going to be helpful, guess what? They're not going to be helpful because you're not trusting them to do the work that they need to do to support you during labor. I truly believe that it is a team approach that, you know, you ha- you're doing the- you're doing the major work and but they are doing just, you know, they're doing important work to support you and help you stay calm. During both of my births, if my husband wasn't there, it wouldn't have gone the same way. You know, if he was my crutch and he reminded me all the time how amazing I was and how I was capable. And even when I was doubting myself and saying, I can't do this, he'd remind me. He's like, yes, you can. You are doing this. Because pregnant, our labor and delivery, labor and birth are a process. So you are doing it. Even when you're thinking you're not doing it, your body's still moving forward with, with the labor. Sometimes people say, oh my, I was stuck at two centimeters for like five hours, so they induced me. There's no rule that you have to move, you know, one, every hour that you're going to dilate by an extra centimeter. You might just stay at two centimeters for seven hours and then boom, go to nine centimeters in like 20 minutes. There's no prediction. There's no, this is how it's going to work. And I think that sometimes there, they, we do, or not we, 
but in a hospital or in certain types of um, care, OB care or midwifery care even, they might do routine cervical checks where they check every hour to see how you're progressing. And if that is stressing you out, knowing the number, ask, do I need to have this? I don't want to be checked every hour. Just, I don't want to be poked and prodded, you know? Because your body will tell you when you're progressing because it will get more intense. You know, it, it you don't have to necessarily check every hour. A lot of women don't even know that that's an option to not have those routine cervical checks. Think about even your ultrasound appointments. They're not mandatory, but yet you feel like they're mandatory, so you do them. And most people want them because you want to see your baby. And, you know, it can be helpful. But remember that things during labor that aren't helpful for you, you can ask to not have them, right? So I'm flip-flopping a little bit. I'm going back into advocating. And I want, you know, there's so many different topics here. And I really want you to, let's go back and summarize some of the things that I've mentioned. First, make a list of, I'm awesome. All the things that I'm, you've done that is amazing and awesome. You know, you made an amazing meal. Your your kids, your other kid, maybe you have another older child, maybe you loved your breakfast. You know, all those small and big wins. I want you to make a list of your wins. Number two, write down your fears and discuss them with your birth support person and share that load, you know, unweight that load. Um, if your birth, per- birth support person has fears, I think that they need to talk to somebody about it as well. But you may not be the person to bear that burden of their fears because you are already pregnant. You are already going through so much else. And I would perhaps recommend someone, um, honestly, a counselor or therapist would be the best because they're they're meant to process this. When I did hypnobirthing, the hypnobirthing uh, practitioner, the instructor really helped us guide that. But if you're doing this on your own, it can be a lot because fears we're processing fears, we're processing emotions that we may not have ever even thought we had until the time comes of giving birth. So I want you to actually seek help from a professional, a counselor, um, a therapist, maybe uh, someone who has experience in this to go over some of those fears if you need if you need that extra help. Okay, so list of wins, release those fears. Number three is ask for what you want advocate for yourself and have your birth support person advocate for you which means they need to know all of your birth preferences I'm talking everything they need to know if you want them to be by your side all the time or if you're okay if they just are on the phone for a bit you know during labor because remember labor is a long process so what would make you feel the most loved do you want them to be holding your hand or being you know touching your leg or having that physical contact because that makes you feel less alone Or are you okay if they're in the next room, you know, having a nap? And you might not know how you feel until the time comes, but having these conversations beforehand, because you know how you are as a person. I I know myself, I, I know what kinds of things make me feel happy and secure and that's just going to be magnified during labor and birth. So, and even postpartum, postpartum, do you want them to be immediately on their phone texting your family and friends? 
Or do you want them to be by your side and, you know, give you a couple hours before they rush to t- tell people? And these are conversations that I really want you to have because these are the th- things that I've heard from people they're really upset at postpartum, that their partners weren't there for them or that they felt like their partners did something that they weren't happy about. And you don't want any extra on your plate during birth. You want to go into it feeling like you're a team, that you're on the same side, that you're, that your birth uh, partner knows all of your preferences so that you're not worried during labor that something's going to happen that you don't want to happen because you know that the person who's with you knows every single thing about you and all of your fears and all of your wants and you know dislikes and preferences so if that the person's like hey do you want uh you know let's say jello or something and you're you, they know that you're like I, I hate jello so much <laughs> they know that they're going to be able to bring you some foods that you do want so I see all this and it's it may seem like this is not that important in the sense of like okay like this seems like all kind of like woo woo like okay is this really going to help I want to know how to open my vagina to 10 centimeters like everyone's like okay let's get down to the business like how, how am I actually going to do this But I want you to remember that there's so much mind-body connection. Our brains play a huge role in in how our bodies function. And if your brain is perceiving that you're in a threatening environment, that you're in an unsafe environment, you're going to clench, close right up, right? So it's not just about how to physically prepare your vagina and your perineum for birth. It's about how to mentally prepare yourself to experience that and I want you to know that you are capable of having a birth experience successfully um, and you define what success is if your success is having a healthy body a healthy baby and it doesn't matter if you tore or how many stitches you had or whether you had a cesarean or an intervention like a vacuum or section you know that's great then that's your definition of success if your definition of success is I want an unmedicated vaginal birth with no intervention, then remember that 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 can still happen. That happened for me, fortunately. But when we have really rigid expectations around labor and birth, it is it's more difficult. I want you to have more flexible definitions of success. And perhaps success, a successful labor and birth for you is obviously we want a happy and a healthy baby. Um, But remember that sometimes we don't control what happens. And I want you to feel like I did everything. I felt supported and that was successful, right? Like, you know, I did everything I could. I felt supported and let's say an intervention had to happen like a vacuum had to be used you you know you asked you said is this an is this the only option and they said yes then you said you know what I'm proud of myself because I advocated for myself or my at my birth support partner advocated for me it deepens the bond in your relationship there's a lot of power in um, that transition to you know parenthood your bond really deepens and strengthens because you're going through this experience, this incredible experience together. You know, I remember my husband saying like, I looked down there and I was like, whoa, right? Like your body is doing that. Like that's incredible. And I've heard from uh, cesarean or abdominal birth mamas and and parents saying how like immensely proud they were of their their partner for doing that because they're like, that is so much love 
my partner underwent major abdominal surgery for my baby and for me. And, you know, I'm tearing up because it is so powerful. The things that women and mothers go through for, for, ba- for, ba- for their babies. And I want you to remember that you have the power and support of billions of birthing mamas, mamas, <laughs> mamas out there who have done this exact thing before you. You have the power, the strength, the um, sisterhood of all of us. When you're in labor and you're wondering, can I do this? Remember, you can do it. You are doing it. You will get through it. There are people there to make you feel loved, safe, secure. There are medications, life-saving medications there to help. You are in an environment where you are safe and everything will be um, on your on your side. Everyone will be on your side. Everyone will be on your team. And those are the messages that I want you to remember and repeat to yourself. That's my last point here is affirmations, positive pregnancy and birth affirmations even if you don't believe it even if you're like oh I don't think I can do this it doesn't matter repeat it to yourself that you can because words are powerful our thoughts are powerful and the more we think negative things the more strong those bonds become the more we think positive things like I can do this I've got this I my body is amazing my body is powerful you know a, a message that I said to myself a visualization that I use during labor is that I'm blooming. I'm a flower blooming. And that was something I heard from one of my friends, Anita Lambert. And she has uh, her own podcast, To Birth and Beyond. And I had listened to one of her episodes and I'm like, wow, what a powerful um, imagery, right? I'm blooming like a flower. So you're imagining everything just blooming and opening And even when things feel really, really intense, I don't like to use the word pain because pain is often associated with fear and a negative thing. Yes, for sure, you can have pain during labor. You you define what pain is to you. For me, I liked using the, the word intense because it was intense. It was the most intense experience of my life. Was it the most painful? No, there were far more more things that were more painful to me before before I had kids. I had a really bad neck injury that was really really excruciating, and that you know that that was way worse to me than an unmedicated birth. But that was my experience. Everyone's experience is different, and we need to remember and respect that your experience is yours alone. No one can tell you that this is not right or that this is not the way or that this isn't successful if you are super happy after having a third degree tear no one can tell you that you mm, you know this should have happened or that should have happened because you get to define success I know people who've had first second third fourth degree tears I've worked with people who've had multiple interventions and they've had such a proud successful birth experience because a they felt supported and loved They, again, did everything they could and they forgave themselves for things that they didn't know. That's my last, I'm going on and on because I have like a million points that I would like to make for you. And I, this is such an important topic to me. And that's, these are the things that are never talked about in a birth, birth prep class. It's like, okay, in this phase of labor, when you're three centimeters dilated, this is how you could feel. 
Listen, a mama doesn't know she's three centimeters or eight centimeters dilated. It's like all a fluid experience. You have no idea exactly how, how many centimeters dilated you are, where baby is. And then suddenly you're like, oh, it's time to push. And like this process can take hours, but it's not like you're going to know exactly how far along you are. So, but what you're going to know is, hmm, this feels really intense. What can I do in this moment to feel better in my body? Breathe, visualize, tell yourself you can do it. Have your partner constantly remind you, you can do this. Have your partner breathe with you, right? We call it birth breathing because it's a nice, I'm, I'm a little congested now because I teared up, but <laughs> you have a nice deep breath to your nose. Oh yeah, that probably sounded good in the microphone. So deep breath to your nose and you're going to keep your pelvic floor open relaxed breathe out powerful long exhale picturing that baby migrating downward especially if you're having a vaginal birth if you're having cesarean birth you're doing your breathing for relaxation to calm your nerves to calm your stress hormones and to tell yourself that you're doing amazing that you've got this that you and baby are safe loved and healthy and that everything will be okay and those are you know, those are positive affirmations that you can use for both. Breathing is very, very powerful to in combination with those affirmations. There are many, many different things that there are many different strategies for breath and visualization. But the key message here is have two or three things in your toolbox. Don't have a million things. Have like three, two, three catchphrases that you want to tell yourself. For me personally, it was I've got this kept telling myself that especially my second labor I remember that I was like yep I've got this yep it's happening and it's easier with your second labor or second subsequent birth sometimes because you already have an experience to draw from however if your first experience was traumatic or not positive there might be even more fear the second time so it's important regardless of which baby it is to have that positive frame of reference and keep telling yourself that you've got this and that you're taking care of and that you are um that you're amazing you know just it's going to feel like you're just building yourself up and you're going to feel silly even if you say it out loud but it does not matter that's what you need to do honestly birth labor and birth midwives and nurses are and and ob's they're just incredible people uh for the most part they're there to welcome a beautiful new human into this world they're there to support you in that welcoming and they they've seen it all and most of the time everything goes well so I want you to remember that the things that you see on the movies the media they're all it's dramatic because it's entertaining go to YouTube and find some animal birth videos animals we are animals too we're all mammals you know humans are another type of animal look at elephants horses you know you can look at um you can say positive birth stories you can look at human birth experiences i'm sure if you go on youtube you'll find lots of birth videos um because i want you to start really seeing and imagining yourself having that visualization of that experience with affirmation and breath all of that is going to be so so powerful I'm going to wrap this up this was much longer than I anticipated and I actually kind of expected that because I knew I'd be able to talk about this for hours and for the 
sake of a podcast episode and for your time, I want to keep this snappy as possible. Um, If you want to learn more, you need to be at my pregnancy and birth prep webinar happening tomorrow night. Today is Monday, November 29th, Cyber Monday for those of us in North America. Um, Tomorrow is Tuesday, November 30th. This is happening at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, one hour You're going to join me on Zoom and I'm going to be going over your core and your pelvic floor during pregnancy and birth. I'm going to be going over ways to manage your symptoms, postures, positioning, stretches, um, ways to prepare for birth, including stretches and perineal massage. Uh, And we're going to be talking about the role your birth partner plays, um, how to prepare for a positive uh, birth outcome, birth mindset, um, and all of that fun stuff. Because it is an hour, it's going to have the most crucial, important components of information for your birth. And if you want to learn more, if you want to work with me one-on-one to dive further into any of those aspects, you absolutely can. If you're in pain, if your back hurts, if you your hip hurts, you have sciatic pain, you don't have to live with that during pregnancy. A lot of people are told, oh, well, you're pregnant. What do you expect? There are ways to manage, there are ways to improve, there are even ways to resolve that pain for for most people. Um, I offer one-to-one consults online, so if you need help, please reach out. I would love to support you. You do not deserve to have a pregnancy that is totally uncomfortable all the time. You need to be supported, and this is something that is absolutely doable even during a pregnancy, is to feel better in your body. Um, all right, I'm going to share two links with you, which is my registration for my pregnancy and birth prep webinar. I hope to see you there. I know I've had a bunch of people registered and some are like, I can't make it live because I'm in a different time zone and I've got this totally okay. I will be sharing the replay with you. But for those of you who can make it live, I appreciate you as well so much. Uh, please sign up. It is right now 25 bucks Canadian. Uh, and I hope to see you there. I will also share the link to book a one-to-one consult with me. So if you have any uh, issues, if you want a personalized session, I would love to offer that to you as well. Okay. Uh, have a fantastic rest of your day. If you're pregnant and you're expecting and you're listening to this, I hope you know how amazing you are, how beautiful you are, how incredible you are, and that you've got this. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Mom Strength and being part of this important conversation. Check out the show notes for more info and links and we'll chat again real soon.